Hi, and welcome to the Sailorville Church Podcast. My name is Abe Miller, and I am joined today with Kurt DeGraff and Meredith Jackson. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Abe. Good to have you guys here. We have the counseling team, the A team, the counseling team here. Two-thirds of it. Yeah. You can't forget Jesse. Yes, we don't (laughs) want to forget Jesse, uh, my wife. So she was actually in on the first one when we were doing this. So great job. Great job. We're good to have you guys here. I'm looking forward to this conversation talking about forgiveness which obviously is a big deal. So if you haven't listened to the other podcasts that we have done, two other ones um, that have been dealing with marriage and family, we've talked about um, the differences between men and women, and then also the the um, conflict resolution dealing with communication and conflict. Uh, Kurt and I did that one last, last week. So go ahead and listen to those. But we're going to talk about forgiveness. First question coming out of the shoot here is, what has been you guys' experience within the counseling office when you're dealing with bitterness, and forgiveness. Is this really that big of a deal? <laughs> okay. <laughs> right off the We're bat, Meredith. Right off the bat. Okay. <laughs> you first. Oh, man. You know, there aren't many situations that come into the counseling office where forgiveness is not part of the You're healing right. and restoration process. At some point, even if it's from the beginning of understanding what your sin is and that you have been forgiven of it, if you have come to accept Christ as Savior from the very beginning of the gospel. Forgiveness is talked about. It it has to be. So understanding that exchange, Christ gives us our righteousness and we give him our sin. Understanding that forgiveness exchange is huge. And then as soon as you enter any other person into a relationship to start any kind of conversation, a spouse, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, an employee, a child, there's going to be some kind of conflict at some stage small big real big um which you talked about last time you were together in the podcast it's it's everywhere mm-hmm. conflict is everywhere mm-hmm. probably as recent as last night <laughs> valentine's day. valentine's day <laughs> evening <laughs> mm-hmm. that can cause some sparks good sparks or some uh, challenging sparks uh, some issues can arise in that kind of a context especially relative to expectations of what might happen or what didn't happen. And folks have to work through those things. And uh, as Meredith has well said, it's a regular part of counseling. comes up in most, probably most counseling contexts. We've got to deal with the issues of forgiveness. So it's a big ticket item. Yeah, and would you say, is this something that people are there's consistency in forgiveness or do you find most of the time it's, yeah, this is not usually happening and that's really why <laughs> they're, they're in the situation that they're in. I just doesn't seem like it's a common, Oh yes, we practice this all the time and it's just a continual conversation. No, I think in our culture today, forgiveness is actually so countercultural, cultural to what we see, to what is lived out in front of us, whether it's political or family or, my goodness, even the Olympics, like there's not a, I don't need to admit I'm wrong. You just need to accept how I am and deal with it mm. and move on from there. So the concept of forgiveness, even at its core, is just something that people aren't really practicing at the moment. It, we just really want everybody to accept us how we are, faults in our all, and love us as we are and, and not try to change us. I don't, I don't really want people to come in and tell me that I'm wrong, except when I understand that left to myself, I'm just sinful. There's, there's nothing more to me except that. 
So when I understand that I really do want to become more like Christ, that is the best thing for me, there's got to be some kind of communication and some some kind of understanding of the betterment comes with an acknowledgement of I'm not as great as I think I am or even maybe I'm capable of sinning when I really don't think I am. It's not uncommon for women to come into the office and think, I haven't sinned at all today. Meanwhile, it, I'm like, well, it's 8 o'clock, so yes, you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you you yeah. definitely have. Whether you're acknowledging any kind of sin as something needing to be forgiven or you just haven't gone out and done like a sin with a giant consequence attached to it. You're human. You're living. Jesus hasn't come back yet, so you're still sinning. It's still going to be there. You're still going to offend if not another person, you're still going to offend the Lord with your sin. So there does need to be restoration. You heard that notion, love means never having to say you're sorry. <laughs> False. <Yeah. laughs> love means I wronged you. I sinned. Will you forgive me? That's biblical Christianity in action. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk about that a little bit. The the most common discussion I've heard is like, hey, I'm sorry. You know, most people say, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. right? We're talking about forgiveness. Just on an elemental level here, what's the difference between saying, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. versus, hey, I've sinned, will you forgive me? Explain that a little bit. Let me jump in first. Mm-hmm. I know what people mean when they say, I'm sorry. I've used it many times myself. But oftentimes it's kind of a lame way of trying to acknowledge you've done wrong without really fully owning it. I I believe it's superior to say, better, more biblical to say, I sinned against you, name the sin, Mm -hmm. and then ask them, will you please forgive me? That owns sin and it specifies what it is rather than kind of half-heartedly saying something almost nonchalant, like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that, now let's go on. And they want to blow past it without really truly processing it. And especially, I think men need to understand that our wives sometimes need to process the whole issue of forgiveness, and they can't just truncate the whole deal by quickly saying, oh yeah, I forgive you, and then move on. They need to think through, talk it through, because of the emotional construct that God has given them, and we guys need to understand that within the uh, construction uh, of a marriage. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's an interesting concept. I think there's just a lot of people that would say, well, I said I'm sorry, you know, like we move on, right? It's it's a done deal and things are fine. How do you know, how do you know if you're supposed to ask for forgiveness? Like, is there some kind of thing that triggers in our minds I mean, how, how does somebody, because you could have some people that say like, well, my husband has never asked for forgiveness ever, mm-hmm. or my spouse has never asked for forgiveness since we've been married, but they would, they would be a follower of Jesus. I mean, what's going on there? Like, why, why are some people super sensitive to that? Like, oh my goodness, I have got to ask for forgiveness. And in that moment I deal with it and I move on. And then other people are like, nope, not going there. Not going to do that. Why? Well, I, I, man, it's hard to know exactly why certain people are wired certain ways. But I'm sorry is almost like that get-out-of-jail-free card. Like, here, I gave it to you, so now you can't be mad at me anymore. We've all heard the forgive and forget. Like, I said the words. Mm. I've, I've said the magic forgiveness words, so now you have to. 
And it doesn't quite work the same as, you know, saying, please get to whatever you want. (laughs) That doesn't work like that either. So having that exchange or being willing to actually be vulnerable means that you're aware. So we're really talking about self-awareness. And we're also talking about that coupled with what Scripture says. You know, the pattern that, that God gave us is if you confess, he will be faithful and just to forgive you. So there is an interaction, there is an exchange that's patterned for us in Scripture, which means that we can do that with each other as well, which we probably need to do that with each other. But don't you think, Meredith, there's a, a repentance factor that has mm-hmm. to be brought to bear? It's not just a temporary, let's blow past this, but a true ownership. I sin. Yes, absolutely. And I think most couples forget about the oneness. When they fight and when they argue, it's just me and it's him. And we're, we're against each other. But that, even in your arguments, even when you're hurting each other or offending each other, whether you mean to or not, God sees you together as one. So if I understand that, when Jason and I have an argument, if I understand that he is the other half of me, I can either choose to not, not care for the other half of me, or I can choose to make sure that what I'm doing is benefiting all of me. And, and a, a, a Jason that is understanding that I know that I've wronged him, that I want our relationship to be restored and all the communication valves wide open, and I've done something that's going to close them off, I want to be able to go to him and say that, which takes a, first of all, understanding that the two of us are in this together. We're not, it's not he and I, although sometimes it does feel like that, and feelings are a big part of, of all of the forgiveness process which, yes, the Lord gave all of us women an extra Mm -hmm. dose intentionally. He did that intentionally, maybe so that we could be some of the initiators or indicators that something isn't quite right here. All we have to do is stay sensitive to the Spirit and realize, I I blew that one. Mm -hmm. It goes vertically and then it goes horizontally, but we've got to be sensitive to the Spirit that I I sinned against her in my case. Mm -hmm. And all I have to do really is read body language to know I I hurt her. Mm-hmm. And I think the average guy can read his wife's body language, again, if it's in that construction. But even among fellow believers in a local church context, you can often tell by body language that they're put off, they're hurt, they shut down. I overstepped my bounds. I said something out of place, and I need to make this right. And I, I'm fearful that a lot of couples aren't, in fact, to your point, dealing with these issues on a regular basis. I, mm-hmm. I, I mentioned last week we need to have a weekly sit-down session, conferring session, where we talk and get deeper and maybe deal with some of these issues. So I would say at the very least there needs to be apologies once a week. But if we're honest, probably on an almost daily basis, mm-hmm there are issues that have to be worked through. So couples that can go months, I'm saying something's wrong. They're not really walking in the spirit. They're not being sensitive to God and his word and to their mate or in the context of a local church to good friendships where uh, basically um, you can tell that things aren't the way they ought to be. You just can't sweep things under the carpet. They've got to be dealt with forthrightly and biblically. Good. Uh, how how do you let's let's kind of flip it here and and um, if I let's say I'm hurt as a husband, my wife has hurt me, and um, she comes to me and asks for forgiveness. How do I how do how do I deal with that? Like, okay, man, I am 
I'm ticked off. Like you hurt me badly. And now, now my spouse is coming to me and asking for forgiveness. How do I, how do I process that? Like, I don't want to, I want to hold it over her. I want to hold that card and then I can pull that card out whenever I want to. Right. And use it against her. How do we deal with that? Well, in the context you've said it as a male, I'll answer. And then maybe Meredith <laughs> yeah. from a feminine female perspective can answer. We, we guys, um, we have a problem with pride. Often, We don't like to admit we're wrong and, we don't like to make things right, but we need to if we're going to be a godly leader in the home. <clears throat> and uh, forgiveness is a part of being a Christian. I mean, we've been forgiven. We'll come back to this, I know. We've been forgiven, so we must forgive. You're never more like Christ than when you forgive. And uh, when your wife comes to you and owns what she's done wrong, um, you need to grant forgiveness to her, and if she comes to you and confronts you, you need to say, let's talk about this. I want to know what I've done wrong. I'm not above doing wrong. Uh, I, right now, at this moment, don't necessarily sense that I have, but can you enlighten me? And she often will be able to. And maybe if we're really humble, we'll say, I can see it now. Mm -hmm. I did. Will you forgive me? So it, it really starts with humility, both directions. Seeking forgiveness and granting forgiveness require humility. Yeah, I just, that picture of like having something that you're holding over your spouse or anybody else, your kids, maybe it's even easier to do that with your kids. That sounds a lot like vengeance. Mm. That sounds a lot like I want to wait until an opportune time and hurt you again, which can be so I mean, even the word sounds mean. Even the word sounds really horrible. And when you do that, when there's, when there's not a forgiving spirit, that's really when bitterness can enter in. That's when resentment can start to enter in. And those are so much more, there's so many more layers. There's so much to all of those, which, which make the forgiveness process even harder. Um, Kurt has a great phrase about resentment. I'm putting you on the spot uh, <laughs> about um, resentment or bitterness is um, you drinking the poison and expecting the other person to die. Gotcha. Mm. And it just rips you apart. That's really what that is doing. An unforgiving spirit is the beginning. It's the seed of what just starts to rip you to pieces. Not just you and your relationship with whoever else it is, but you personally, you and the Lord you and every other relationship that you have. So from a female perspective, there's so much within most women that just wants to please everybody. We get that role of caretaker, of responder, of provider, as far as home, as far as comfort, as far as love. And so to have that withheld is is so painful. It can be so detrimental and I'm sure there's women listening who are thinking, yeah, I've, I've experienced that. I've mm -hmm. felt that. So to be able to even circle back and say, what do we need to do so that this doesn't happen again? Is there anything that I can do to make this right? Maybe, maybe not. But to be willing to be humble enough to come back and say, it doesn't feel 
quite right between us again. It doesn't seem to be right. So do, do you need to circle back? Do you need to come back again? Knowing full well that there may not be anything that you can do in the moment, but that you'll also need to pray. And I think that's such a huge tool. And every time we mention that in counseling, everybody's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Good idea. <laughs> I forgot about prayer. But it really is such an instrumental key, first weapon to fighting Satan in, in the forgiveness because he doesn't want you to be unified. He doesn't want you to be restored. He wants you to be miserable. Or he wants you to be so not paying attention to the fact that things are not great. He wants you to be distracted and doubt that, that there's anything wrong or that God could even work. He just operates at that sneaky, detrimental level in relationships. Yeah, go ahead, Kurt. In, in the flesh, we rather like to nurse our hurts, mm. invite ourselves to a pity party for one, and... Uh, <laughs> Figuratively speaking, suck on our thumbs. How do you know? I, I got something in front of me here, some material that I use with regularity with people in this forgiveness arena. Here's a question. As you reflect on the ways you've been offended, do you find any of these statements to be true of yourself? And we've got to honestly try to answer these, check our own motives. Uh, every time I think of this person, I still feel angry. I have a subtle secret desire to see that person pay for what he or she did to me. Deep in my heart, I wouldn't mind if something bad happened <laughs> to their, them personally, the person that hurt me. I sometimes find myself telling others how that person hurt me. If that person's name comes up, I'm more likely to see something negative about him or her than something positive. And finally, I cannot thank God for that person. Mm. Those are kind of some yeah, wow. check questions to find out well, what's really going on deep in our heart. Because we can say the words, but we've really got to be genuine, broken before God, and genuinely forgive as he commands us to. Yeah, the, the more we talk about this, the more questions I have. Because, I mean, even like, even like that, you know, where someone comes and asks for forgiveness and, you know, you walk away and think, I don't believe them. I don't, I don't think that was a genuine, they weren't genuinely forgiving. Like they said the words, but I don't believe what they said. What do I do with that? You're talking about the person granting forgiveness? Yeah. So let's say, let's say somebody comes to me and asks and says, Hey, will you forgive me? And I'm like, I think they're, I don't know if I actually believe their forgiveness is true. Right. They're maybe just saying the words. I think based on Luke 17, it says, if they come to you even seven times in one day and say, I repent, mm. you need to forgive them. Uh, pastors mentioned this, yeah. I think, on more than one occasion. It is in the original, if they say. We, we can't judge their heart motives. If they say, then I need to grant it to them. However, when we are granting forgiveness, we got to check our own hearts. Am I really forgiving them? Or did I just say I forgave them? Right. Because I'm going to be poisoned in an ongoing way if I don't genuinely release them. And maybe a good working definition, uh, this is written down here too. Forgiveness means that I have fully or that I fully release the offender from his debt. It means fully cleaning his record. It is a promise never to bring up the offense against him again, to God, to others, or to the offender himself. Wow. That's a mouthful. 
because oftentimes we still struggle, and I, I know we'll get to this. There's a difference between forgiveness and trust, mm-hmm. and we need to understand what that is. But I'm convinced a lot of people who say they've forgiven really have not. And the proof of the pudding is how we live and how we think after the fact. Any thoughts on that, Meredith? Yeah. It's it's tricky because <clears throat> we everything in our culture is is like a once and done. You know, like I can do it once and it's done. Um, and so forgiveness is one of those, I'm going to do it, but then it's also a process of continuing to do it, continuing for those of us who know the Lord to continue to take it to him and say, Oh, my heart just flared again. Why? What am I holding? What am I holding on to? Can you show me what I'm holding on to? Can you remind me of just what I've been forgiven so that I can help so that this is easier? And I think sometimes women often come in and they think, well, I I gave it to the Lord and then it came right back. (laughs) I gave it and it came right back and I gave it. And Satan always uses that as an accusation that you didn't do it right. Like there's some magic incantation that needs to happen, which is not true. Going to the Lord and saying, I'm struggling with this. I have all these big feelings or sneaky feelings or, or strong feelings. Going to him repeatedly is not a failure. That's actually success. Going to the Lord and saying, I need your help. I really, everything in my body says, hold on to this. And I know I shouldn't, so I need your help. I need to be reminded that you don't hold my sin against me when I confess it to you. What does that What does that look like? And the, the repetition of having to go back to the Lord and talk to him over and over is you going to the Lord over and over and over for help, which is not a failure. It's actually the definition of success. So knowing, even being able to say to someone, yes, this is the beginning of the forgiveness process, and will you help me? Continue to, to remind me that I'm forgiving you for this. Sometimes it rears its head years later, and there needs to be a reminder. I'm, I am I'm very sorry. You said you forgave me for that. I've, mm-hmm. I've done this so that I wouldn't hurt you again, or these are the things that we built into our relationship so that it wouldn't happen again. Maybe we need to pray together. Maybe we need to talk to somebody else about this specific thing in our relationship. But mostly... We need to continue to go back to the Lord and encourage each other to go back to the Lord to say, okay, because there are some things that have some of the consequences of the sin in our lives is that forgiveness is hard. It, it's not easy, which is why not everybody does it mm-hmm. because it, it is so challenging, but it is part of becoming more like Jesus, which is that's the sweet part of it when you can wake up one morning and realize I don't have animosity towards that person. I don't think mean thoughts. I'm not hoping secretly that something bad happens to them today, which having somebody admit that in your office is also very, very freeing, or in a text message, or in a phone call, or face-to-face over coffee, being able to just admit, yeah, I'm struggling with that sin. Just being able to talk about it is super freeing for people to then know, hey, you're not alone. We all struggle with that at some stage. Bring up very good points. Well said, Meredith. Uh, forgiveness is a choice. Mm-hmm. It's not primarily a feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's both a decision at a moment in time and a process, yep. as you well said. I like to use the analogy of catch and release in fishing. Mm-hmm. You know, 
uh, hurts can kind of get caught on the hook of the heart. And we've got to release that fish, if you will, again and again, that fish of bitterness. And it's sometimes almost a daily battle. It doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. You just got to keep processing that and choosing again and again to forgive, even as you've been forgiven, which is, of course, the key. Yeah, it's really good stuff. I, I was going to um, go off something you said about um, yeah, talking to somebody. I, I've talked to guys before, and, and a lot of times they're fearful to go to their spouse and ask for forgiveness, right? So, like, they're, they're believing this lie, like, no, it, it'll be okay. It'll go away. It would be a done deal, right? Like, um, just believing, like, this, this, this lie that's like, I don't have to go do it. They're just fearful because they're fearful of the response yeah. of, like, is my wife going to forgive me? Or this is the eighth time I've come to her and confessed the same thing. At one point, at what point is her grace going <laughs> to be, you know, be fed up, right? So I guess, like, what would you say to those people that are maybe, like, even listening to this and they're just fearful right now? Like, I know I should. I just am fearful to go and actually have that conversation with my spouse, whatever it may be, the wife to the um, husband or the husband to the wife. Oh, um, Satan loves the instrument of fear. He just loves to live there. And so it really becomes a faith process. There are consequences to your sin, and sometimes the the disruption of the relationship is part of the consequence. But the, the God of the universe is the one that orchestrated forgiveness to begin with. And if he is the one that can do exceedingly above all that we could ask or think, is, is your situation the one that he's like, nope, that's too much for me, I'm out, like, you're on your own. It didn't happen, you didn't sin without him being there. If you are a believer, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit was with you when you were sinning. So he's going to be with you in the forgiveness process, even if it's painful. And then, I don't know about you, but there's so many times in my life where I've watched Satan try to destroy something. And as soon as I let the Lord use it, he continues to shape it into something that he can use, which usually is some kind of weapon against the enemy. And for me in my life, that weapon is repeatedly fired in the counseling office when I can tell women, the Lord loves you. He is with you. He is with your husband. This is not too big for him. This is not the one unforgivable sin in all of history, in all of humanity. It's time to increase your faith in, in this area. This is where I believe having at least a once-a-week more in-depth conversation can be beneficial. I think a wife in this context is, is looking for some genuine indicators of repentance. Mm -hmm. Is he just saying this to clear his conscience, or does he really want to get help? And she's maybe looking for some you know, plan, action plan, or like you're going to be accountable to a friend to talk about this particular sin, which is reoccurring. Um, she's looking for hope. It, admittedly, um, while women may be quicker to ask forgiveness than men, it doesn't always work that way. It, it can be either direction. I often in the counseling office will say to a couple, which of you is the quicker to ask forgiveness? 
and which of you is the quicker to grant forgiveness? Mm-hmm. And that, that varies yeah. from couple to couple. But if we can get down where a guy will honestly say, honey, this is the 15th time in the last three months I've confessed to you my sin with porn. And she may say, oh, you know, this is really hard. You, you got to get down to brass tacks in this conversation to say, what's going on inside your own heart, where your own struggles are? Right. Honey, can you ask me any question you want to ask me? And I think if she believes he's being honest, she's more quickly going to grant forgiveness, but she needs hope that there's kind of a plan here of genuine repentance in place. But we need to be willing to forgive again. I think you just mentioned that again and again and again because God, we're honest. Think about how many times a day we sin against God. We're really honest in thought, word, or deed. A lot. A lot. And yet... He every day grants forgiveness because of his grace and mercy through what Jesus did for us at the cross. And that's how we forgive, is because he's forgiven us, we can choose to forgive those who've hurt us. When you talk about the plan, I think from a female perspective, every wife would be so excited that her husband came with a plan, which is not the same thing as a decree. A plan is this is what I, I think would help with opportunity for her to speak into it as well. A decree would be, this is what I'm going to do, which is is still you alone. It's still not you together as a couple. Um, even kids, you know, when kids, when you, ask, when you ask a kid, what are you going to do so this doesn't happen again? Usually they'll come up with some extreme, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to throw all of those away and never do it again, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But what they really are looking for is is some kind of interaction to say, we're still in this together. We're still walking together. We're s- we still love you. We're still moving forward. It may take a, a little while to get back to that trust level, which is the differentiator between forgiveness and back to that trust. That That's something different. But it, it is, everybody wants to know, that wasn't the one thing that's going to cause you to not love me anymore. Everybody wants that. Yeah. So, what is let Let's go down that road of the the forgiveness versus trust, and how long does that take to actually trust somebody? You know, the, it's the fifteen times the guy comes and says something. Okay, do I really trust you? Because your track record is not very good. Let's talk about that a little bit. I like Pastor's definition for trust. It's obedience plus time mm-hmm. equals trust, and trust has to be earned over time through acts of obedience, and that needs to be demonstrated. The guy still might not be in the scenario I just described, um, completely obedient, moving in the right direction, and continually repenting and taking steps. I think a wife needs to be able to see that and be able to document that. Um, That is different than forgiving, and uh, I have to tell people all the time, okay, it's not unusual for couples to come one or the other to admit I've had an affair, for example. That's a heavy. And they say, I just can't trust them right now. And I get that. I say, but it starts with you choosing to forgive. Um, Forgiveness allows the bridge of trust to be gradually rebuilt. Mm -hmm. But if you don't choose to forgive, you can't rebuild that bridge of trust. It does take time. 
and it does take conversation. You gotta you gotta be open. You can't live private, hidden lives. You gotta talk on a weekly basis. And I think that especially makes an investment in a wife when she says, I think he's being real with me. He's being open. He's being transparent. He's being broken. Mm-hmm. Wives can read us really easily. And I think if we have our eyes half open, we can read the yeah. body language of our wife, her countenance too, like, I don't know, this is going well. You probably could feel the body language with your eyes closed for a woman who's upset. <laughs> probably right. Probably. I think, man, I think if there is a situation where forgiveness has been, where trust has been lost, but forgiveness has been granted, regardless of the relationship, I think a daily check-in for those first few days, weeks, where right in the beginning there's some conversation of this is what we're working towards together. Mm-hmm. This is where we want to get back to or where we where we were isn't even where we want to be. We want to be farther, better, more together, whatever the goal is, to be able to communicate that right away so that everybody knows this is where we're going to end up. If If a woman with any relationship is just kind of like, you just have to prove it to me. Well, that's like a never-ending, it's just a never-ending road that everybody's going to get sick of after a while because there's there's no end point. There's no, here's what success looks like, which in relationships, success varies from couple to couple and honestly from season to season what that could look like. But being willing to have that conversation. So if it is a couple putting the kids to bed or honestly putting a movie on and and going upstairs and having those difficult conversations, sitting on the couch, looking at each other, your phones are off, away, something like that, where there's not a distraction and you can have those difficult heart conversations that are actually doing the repairing work. Those eyeball-to-eyeball time um, is so valuable when you're restoring trust. Kerr always says that the eyes are the window to the soul. (laughs) I've heard that before. It's one of my favorites. But it's true. So getting face-to-face, getting close without the distractions, even if it's for 20 minutes or a half an hour a day in those first few days. You know, you've mentioned some big ones. Confessions of porn, confessions of affairs, which go both ways, by the way. Porn is not just an addiction for men. Mm -hmm. Correct. Having the ability to sit and say, when I start to be tempted, this is what's going on in my mind. And being able to confess, I don't ever give it a second thought, or I give it a lot of thoughts, and then I fail. Figuring out where you are together so that you can move forward is really, really vital. Back to uh, trust and time. Mm -hmm. There's an old adage, time heals all wounds. That's not true. Mm -hmm. It only heals wounds if the infection is removed first. Mm. And infection is removed by confession, repentance, asking for forgiveness. You clean the wounds, then you stitch it up, and you can move ahead. But you've got to remove the infection. That's where we've got to get real before God and our mate and genuinely confess our sins, asking forgiveness. Yeah, really good stuff. One last question, and we'll wrap it up here. But, you know, we talked about at the beginning where this isn't normal. It's not like we see this happening all the time in marriages and in homes. What, what does it actually look like in real life? Like, maybe just give us a scenario. Not necessarily a personal thing, but, I mean, like, some people have never seen this done. They've never been a part of it. 
they've never had anyone actually come to them and ask for forgiveness and they've never done it. Like they've never asked somebody to forgive them. I mean, what does that like give us, give us like a conversation. What does that look like? I mean, is it, is it a long drawn out thing? Is it three hours? Is it 10 seconds? I mean, what does it look like? I would say, don't ambush your mate. Mm -hmm. Say, could I talk to you with a little bit of, you know, time involved here about something that uh, I, I need to, to discuss with you? And that's why, to Meredith's point, it's good to do it maybe after supper. The kids are doing their homework or they're in bed or watching a movie, and you can then invest some time. And it starts with a broken and a contrite heart. That's what God will not despise. And your mate won't either, usually, if you're genuine. And you humbly say, I, I need to confess something to you, honey. I, I've been wrong. Uh, my attitude's been wrong. I was harsh with you. Um, I was insensitive. Um, I was crabby. Or it may be something some people might call more egregious. Uh, but I'm asking you, I did wrong, and this is what I did. I, I yelled at you. I, I was over the top, frustrated, feeling a lot of pressure with life, and I just, I just let you have it. And I was wrong to do that. Look at her in the eyes and say, honey, I love you. I did you wrong. Will you please forgive me? And Meredith, how would you respond? Like, How would a, a wife respond to a husband who would say something like that? What would be your response back to that? Oh, as a wife? Um, Someone's coming to ask for forgiveness, right? Yeah, okay, so just as, as a friend or just as a, as a person who has had to ask for forgiveness before from other people, as soon as I can, as soon as I know what's happening, <laughs> I've been in that place. I know what it feels like to have to forgive. I know what it's like to have sinned some, against someone. So in that moment, I just want to say yes absolutely, we can work through this together, I want to hug them, whether it's Jason, whether it's Judah, whether it's a friend, I, I want to be able to give them what I know God gives me, mm -hmm. I want to be able to do that, which comes from spirit sensitivity, honestly, and in that asking for forgiveness process, realizing that all sin is first an offense to God, and so at all of these conversations that happen, it happens with the Lord first. It happens when you realize, when the Spirit convicts you, or whether you get caught um, going to him first and saying, I messed up. This, this is not what you want for me. This is not what you, what you have as far as what I should be doing. Would you please forgive me? Hmm. Which then, once you go to that other person and you can say, I've already sought forgiveness from the Lord. I have already confessed this which usually once you've talked to the Lord about it, that broken spirit is just there. It's, it's so, and the Lord is always there to take you in, but it's such an, it can be such an emotional process to realize, he forgave me again. I know I don't deserve this, but Christ <laughs> made it possible. That's so much easier to go through. And by the way, to then teach your kids, when you disobeyed, you disobeyed mommy, but you also disobeyed the Lord. And really teaching everyone in your home, everyone in your life, that that is the that is a primary relationship. The others are a quick second, but the Lord, your relationship with the Lord is primary for that. Yeah. Which is hard to do. 
as someone who has to do it often, mm-hmm. that's hard to do. Yep. The key to it all <clears throat> is knowing that, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, God has forgiven us because of Christ. Mm-hmm. Be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And here's the key. Even as God, because of Christ, has forgiven you. You can forgive because you've been forgiven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good word. Any last thoughts here? We'll wrap it up. I feel like Kurt is the king of, of seeking forgiveness. Um, we just, yeah. I, I'm, very, I'm very blessed by the Lord to be able to sit with Kurt, yeah. who literally asks forgiveness for things that I'm like, I did not know that that was an event. <laughs> uh, Kurt is extremely spirit sensitive. Um, yep. such, a good, uh, such a good example for our staff. Of, we should all be that way. We should all be that way. So, yep. I'm grateful for Meredith and Jesse and all of our volunteer counselors. Uh, I want to give a, a, a big shout out to them. Mm-hmm. Um, ladies listening, if you're wrestling, come to these ladies. They can help you immensely. Appreciate so much what you do in the counseling office. You've heard the wisdom here today. And we are present here on staff for this very purpose, to help you work through these very practical issues of life. And the Lord wants you to find victory in these areas as well. Amen. Yep. yep. Great. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate the wisdom and the insight. And hopefully we can put these things to practice. So thanks again. Thank you.